It's easy to get caught up and distracted by our circumstances. When we face setbacks, disappointments, and heartache, we often forget that our measure of contentment is not rooted in our surroundings, but our Savior. Today on Bloom, we'll discuss how we can live with authentic contentment, even when we battle authentic adversity. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for April 16th, 2021. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with each other and the Lord. We are wrapping up this two-part series on contentment today. In the first part, we talked about how contentment is not found in what we have or don't have. A lot of times we misplace our joy in the things of this life that lack eternal worth. And ultimately, these things, which can't satisfy the deep well of our souls, leaves us still feeling dry and empty. Until we realize that only Christ is capable to fulfill the true longings of our heart and give us real, everlasting contentment. But sometimes contentment is not about what you have or don't have. For a lot of us, we feel like it's a circumstance that is standing between us and our happiness. If given the choice, we would like to skip through some certain chapters in our lives or maybe even rewrite them altogether. That's because culture would have us buy into the notion that struggle and joy can't coexist. But in light of the gospel, we realize that contentment is not dependent on circumstance. It's dependent on Christ. Circumstances fluctuate, but Christ is fixed. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. I know this is what scripture says, and I've read this over and over again. And like you, I also understand that it's easy to give God thanks when there's blue skies and everything seems to be going our way and details just fall right into place, when you're thriving in your career, when you receive a good bill of health, and when someone sends you an unexpected blessing. We effortlessly give God the praise. But what about when your child is diagnosed with a learning disability and you're now faced with a long journey ahead? A journey full of specialists, appointments, and evaluations. What about a once healthy relationship that turns dysfunctional and you now have to separate yourself from them? What about when your hours get cut at work and you don't know how you'll stretch the already tight budget? When the unexpected turbulence of trials strike, do we respond with the same heart of thanksgiving? Do we still rejoice? Recall from part one, contentment is defined as the state of being content. And content means feeling or showing satisfaction with one's possessions, status, or situation. Paul was writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica because they were facing insufferable persecution. But instead of offering pity to the Thessalonians, Paul commands them with three actions. To rejoice to pray continually, and to give thanks. To rejoice always means we express a joyful heart, even if the situation is not naturally conducive to joyfulness. To pray without ceasing 
It means we communicate with God with faithful consistency. Prayer connects us to our source of hope. It's a direct line to the throne of grace. To give thanks was not to dismiss the circumstances. Our circumstances are very real and can be extremely difficult. Paul wasn't saying, oh, it's just a little persecution, suck it up. But what Paul wanted to remind them of is to look past the circumstances and encourage them with the truth that Romans speaks of that says, all things work together for good because we serve a good God who happens to also be in control of our circumstances. Culture has us buy into the idea that our contentment is based upon how our lives look, our level of personal happiness. But the gospel message is something entirely different. Contentment is not about our external surroundings. Contentment has and always will be an internal matter of our hearts. Is your heart anchored in your situation or Jesus? That is the ultimate determination of our state of contentment. Lisa Turkhurst has written several best-selling books and Bible studies many in which she shares her personal life struggles and how she has been able to find hope and joy in God in spite of whatever is going on around her. In 2017, with a heavy heart, Lisa revealed the turbulence going on in her marriage. On her blog, Lisa wrote, My husband, life partner, and father of my children, Art Turkhurst, has been repeatedly unfaithful to me with a woman he met online, bringing an end to our marriage of almost 25 years. For the past couple of years, his life has sadly been defined by his affection for this other woman and substance abuse. I don't share this to harm or embarrass him, but to help explain why I've decided to separate from him and pursue divorce. She further wrote, Anyone who knows me in Proverbs 31 Ministries knows how seriously I take marriage. I've always encouraged women to fight for their marriages and to do everything possible to save them when they come under threat. So, for the past couple of years, I have been in the hardest battle of my life, trying to save my marriage. Lisa said when she found out about Art's infidelity 18 months prior to this blog post, she made a conscious decision not to divorce him, but to love him and trust God in the journey. Lisa went on to say, I sought counsel from family and other wise friends, and Art and I even made repeated trips across the country together for intensive counseling, especially designed for marriages in crisis. But sadly, though I have repeatedly forgiven and accepted him back, he has continued to abuse substances, be unfaithful, and refuse to be truthful to me and our family. Now, there is a redeeming end to Lisa's story. In 2018, a year and a half later, after this blog post, Lisa and her then ex-husband, Art, recommitted to one another and renewed their vows. Lisa shared on Instagram, on an unusually sunny Tuesday in December, we dressed up a bit and whispered healing words, heartfelt promises, and holy vows. A million prayers, a miracle answered, a marriage restored. Some of you listening are still knee-deep in your difficult season, and maybe you don't see those unusual sunny skies on the horizon, and you're wondering, how can you respond? Because the sad reality in our broken world is that not every story is left with a happy ending. Not every broken marriage is restored. 
Not every job that is lost is regained. So what do we do when things in life just don't seem to be going the direction we thought it ought to go? Even though Lisa has been given a beautiful story of God's restoring power to bring forth healing and reconciliation to a very wounded and broken marriage, what I loved reading the most in her story and what I believe was so foundational to Lisa's journey is that all along, she knew where her confidence and her joy was found. Did her circumstances leave her feeling discouraged and hurt? Absolutely. But it didn't define her contentment. She knew where her one true source of joy came from. Her husband may have abandoned their marriage covenant, but she knew God had not abandoned her. And she knew that while her circumstances can rattle our cages a bit, our source of joy is truly unshakable. In that same article where Lisa shared her devastating news of betrayal and divorce, while she was still in the very trenches of her trial, Lisa also wrote, Thankfully, my story has been one of learning that I'm not defined by my circumstances. My true identity does not shift or fall apart under life's strains, failures, my own imperfections, setbacks, or heartaches. And listen to these words, her concluding words. While people change, while circumstances change, God does not. I think a lot of times we use the words happiness and contentment interchangeably as if they have the same meaning. I'm fairly certain that while Lisa wrote this blog post, she was particularly unhappy, to say the least. So can authentic contentment be present with unhappiness? Well, I would have to say yes. Because we need to understand that happiness is an emotion. It's an emotion that we feel based on what our current situation is. And situations vary, so our happiness varies. But contentment, authentic contentment, is distinct because for one, it's not an emotion. It's a choice. It's not a choice of simply being content. We don't wake up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to be content today. But I do believe it's saying I can be content because I'm choosing to place my joy and hope in the one who is constant. That's what Paul is talking about when he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Because we're ultimately not thanking God for the circumstances. We're just thanking God. Regardless of what circumstances we face, God remains the same. He's the same faithful, good God. And he knows that we get caught up and distracted by what we see. And that's why I love his words that he reminds us of in 2 Corinthians 4.18, to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The truth is, we don't need to misplace our hope in a happy ending, because we have the promise of an everlasting joy in Christ. Horatio Gates Spafford, who wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, ironically wrote this song when he was staring grief right in the face. Horatio was a prominent lawyer living in Chicago in the mid-1800s. He was married to his wife, Anna, and they had five children. But in 1871, scarlet fever claimed the life of their four-year-old son, their only son. 
Later that same year, a tragedy known as the Great Fire of Chicago singed their home to a pile of rubble. Now these were devastating circumstances already, but the painful circumstances continued. Out of sincere desire to give his family some much-needed rest, Horatio planned a trip to Europe. However, due to an unexpected business need, Horatio had to stay back for a few days to attend a business while his wife and four daughters sailed ahead on the French Ocean Liner, and I'm probably going to completely butcher this name, Villet du Havre, on November 21st, 1873. Four days after the ship departed crossing the Atlantic, it collided with a sea vessel, the Loch Urn. It was reported that Anna took their daughters to the deck where they knelt and prayed. The ship sank in 12 minutes, carrying with it 226 passengers, including Horatio's and Anna's remaining four children. After Anna's rescue, she sent a telegram to her husband saying, Saved alone, what shall I do? It's the same question we ask when we are faced with difficult circumstances in life. What shall I do? Not long after Horatio received this word, he sailed out to join his grieving wife. As he passed near where his daughters died, he penned, It is well with my soul. I just wanted to read some of the lines of this hymn. And as I do, I would just love for wherever you are, just to close your eyes, unless you're driving. Please don't close your eyes while you're driving. But just to think about these words. And whatever situation you're in, whatever you're dealing with, just allow these words to sink into your heart. Here is the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live, if Jordan above me shall roll, no pain shall be mine, for in death as in life, Thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. O the trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. And the Lord haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. Even the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks 
in all circumstances. We can find true contentment outside our circumstances because our true contentment depends on Christ. Death is the worst thing that can happen to us on this side of heaven, at least in our mind's eyes. But in Jesus, even death was defeated. The grave doesn't have the final word. The greatest trials and the deepest heartaches are no match to our God. If you are listening today and you're finding yourself overwhelmed by the hardships you're facing, I want to send you off with these final words that I hope remind you that everything we face in this life is temporary. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we place our hope on him, we receive the gift of everlasting joy. The verse I want to conclude with is 2 Corinthians 4.17, which says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Friends, I pray that you know you are not defined by your circumstances and that authentic contentment is and only can be anchored in Christ alone. I hope today's podcast gives you a greater sense of hope and also challenges you that in whatever season, whatever situation you find yourself in, with Christ we are always in the position to be content. Contentment is not a matter of of what we have or where we are. It's a matter of a heart. If you haven't already, I would love for you to check out part one of this series on contentment, as well as other previous podcasts. If you know someone who would be blessed by this message, I would be so grateful if you would share that with them. And remember, if you want to keep up on the pulse of what's happening in women's ministry at Grace, check out the website at gracecma.org slash women. Have you ever considered whether our culture affects the way we approach scripture? Have you thought to yourself, how am I supposed to relate to a narrative that has such culturally different themes? When we read the Bible, we often look at it through a Western lens. But in doing so, we might be blindsided from seeing God's intended message. Next time on Bloom, we'll discuss how reading the Bible from a Middle Eastern perspective really does change the way we read God's Word. Keep growing, and God bless.